Welcome to another episode of Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and I want to thank you all for tuning in today. And of course, we are coming to you live right here on TalkingAlternative.com in New York City. And I just want to, uh, again, give everyone a quick reminder that uh, if you've missed any of the past episodes, you can go to, to get the latest, uh, I believe, 10 episodes, you can go to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart page here on Talking Alternative, and you can download and listen to them. Or you can go to iTunes and go to the podcast section, search for Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart, and you can have all 87 of the episodes are up. So if you missed ones like from a from last year, they're all up there ready for your listening pleasure. So please feel free to do that. Okay, so on today's show, well, let, let me backtrack. As you all know, um, a big part of this show for me is talking about pain. I'm a physical therapist, so the main reason people come to me is because something somewhere on their body hurts. And so over the last year, we've really been digging into pain and and what pain is. It's an output of the brain uh, due to various inputs into our system. And pain is there uh, as a protective mechanism. Uh, you will have pain if you have tissue damage or if the brain thinks there's tissue damage. So it's a very complicated subject. And one thing that I have found that can help a lot of health professionals is uh, it's an organization called the International Association for the Study of Pain. And I am very pleased to have on the show today Kathy Kreider, and she is the executive director of IASP, which is what we will be calling the International Association for the Study of Pain because it's a much shorter and easier way to talk about it. So she has been the director of IASP since 2006. Prior to that, she spent two years working in the global health program at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. She brings 21 years of public sector experience to her position, having worked in a variety of programs in state government from low-income housing, energy policy and education, economic development and trade to the lottery and liquor board. And Kathy was also a founding member of the Center for Women and Democracy and has done volunteer work assisting women in other countries to run for political office. She has also developed and led an all-women trade mission to Central Europe and international delegations to Cuba, Morocco, and South Africa. So, Kathy, thank you for uh, calling in. I believe you're three hours earlier than us, so thanks for calling in. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Great. So... Like I said, I sort of, the International Association for the Study of Pain, uh, let's talk about first, if you could give us a little bit of a background on IASP, like when was it formed and why was it formed? In 1973, Dr. John Bonica, who uh, was at the University of Washington in Seattle, uh, gathered the premier people around the world who were interested in pain research and uh, practicing pain management. And they met in Issaquah, Washington, and at that time they decided they needed to found an organization that was dedicated to the study of pain and why people have pain and what are the best methods um, to deal with pain. And in 1974, the association was formally uh, incorporated, and we've been off and running ever since. And... Who are the members? Is it just for for anyone? It's a professional membership society. Okay. So that means it's 
for people who are in the field of pain. And we have anesthesiologists, we have nurses, physical therapists, occupational therapists, basic science researchers Mm -hmm. who may have neurology backgrounds, neuroscience backgrounds. Um, And the philosophy behind the best treatment of pain is to look at it from a multidisciplinary aspect. Um, So you want your psychologist involved, you want physical therapist involved, um, you want neurosurgeons. um, So it's really to take that comprehensive look and address it from that level. Sure, and and that just goes along kind of with IASP's mission. It's bringing together scientists, clinicians, healthcare providers, and policymakers to stimulate and support the study of pain and to translate that knowledge into improved pain relief worldwide. Correct. Okay, so let's. Uh, I guess a, a kind of a question for you is: How often do you get people who perhaps aren't? in the healthcare fields or research fields, just a person suffering from pain calling in and Uh, asking you for help? uh, We actually do get a lot of people who call or write letters or write to our website. And what we do is refer them back to usually the country they live in. Mm -hmm. Um, IASP is truly international. Two-thirds of our members, our professional members, are from outside the United States. Um, and we started as an international association, which is a little bit different than other associations who usually start in one country and expand. Mm-hmm. We actually started international. Um, and we have nine, 89 chapters around the world. And so if there's an active chapter where the person lives, we'll refer them to the chapter. Because usually chapters are going to get much more involved on a patient basis than we would. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are also, in different countries, different advocacy groups. And we may um, ask the person to contact somebody who's aligned with an advocacy group. Um, here in, in the U.S., there's the American Chronic Pain Association. Um, so if somebody has questions about specific treatments or you know, a list of doctors that they should go to, what we would do is, you know, refer them to American Chronic Pain or the Fibromyalgia Group, depending on what the purpose um, is behind their call. But we do not deal directly with patients. We're definitely for the medical community. Right. So you're not there for, for specifically for patient care. Correct. Right. Now, uh, you just mentioned that, um, you know, you have a lot of different chapters all over the world. Now, let's say... We have, you know, a lot of medical professionals that are listening to this. How can they get involved and how can they, you know, try and meet up with some of these chapters? Um, there are a couple of ways. One is you can, um, they can go to our website and on our website we would have a list of the chapters and the contact people for the chapters. Um, people can also belong to IASP and not be a member of their chapter. Um, so, you, you know, and people can be members of their chapters and not join IASP. Uh-huh. Um, oh, okay. okay. Yeah, so it works both okay. ways. Okay. And uh, we have, you know, depending on the country, um, it's, our membership is very different percentage-wise of a, of a chapter membership. Um, so people can approach it either way. Um, if you're a member of IASP, there are certain benefits that you would receive. Um, the journal pain um, is free as a member. Um, they get discounts on our books. They get discounts on going to the World Congress on Pain. 
And if you're a member of a chapter and not a member of IASP, you may not be able to take advantage of those opportunities. Gotcha. So let's actually, you sort of segued nicely into my next question, and that was to talk a little bit more about the publications. Mm -hmm. So like you said, I guess one of the biggest publications is the pain. Right. So the journal pain was started in 1974. Um, for those in the academic world um, who will understand this one, it has a very high impact factor. Yes, that it's, means that it's uh, the research is very sound, it's peer-reviewed, and, and all of that. So correct. for people who aren't aware of what that means. Right, so we're the highest-rated journal in the anesthesiology field. Hmm. Um, and it, um, it's a a mix of basic science articles, so pure science, um, plus um, translational, so how do you apply the science to the real world, mm-hmm. um, and just like our membership, it's going to mirror different specialties, so it's going to have articles from psychologists, articles from neuroscientists, um, and it's just, you know, it reflects what IASP is all about in terms of multidisciplinary, in terms of um, articles are coming from you know all around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, they are peer reviewed, um, and because of that, you know that there's credibility behind what we print. Exactly, exactly. And and you know, I think when you're in the healthcare profession, I mean, pain is certainly known as a very credi- credible publication and a lot of great research, a lot of uh, great physical therapy research. Yes is coming coming out of the journal on pain. Um, so you have the journal. Now, there's also an IASP press. Right. And so we have two other large areas of publications. Uh-huh. One is the IASP press, uh-huh. and that's where we publish books. Um, and we do that as part of our educational outreach. So this is not a big profit center for the association. It's really done um, to provide educational opportunities to our members and to the public. Um, so our books are very low price for academic books. Mm-hmm. Um, and we publish three, some, you know, between one and three, four books a year. Um, they are also reviewed um, so that we're making sure that they're the highest quality. Uh, and again, they reflect our membership. Um, some of our newest books are co-authored uh, or co-edited. Um, by, you know, partnership between a doctor in Italy and a doctor in Denmark. Mm-hmm. Um, we have another one going on with a doctor in Germany and a doctor in Denmark. Um, we have a physical therapy textbook, um, and we also um, have published books for the general public. We have pain management in older adults, which um, people can use um, as they you know, deal with pain as you get older, as mm-hmm. all of us are doing as we're getting older. Yes. <laughs> and um, you can use that book in cooperation with your doctor because um, it has tables and charts of things that you could be doing in terms of exercise and po- proper posture and relaxation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that book is actually very popular, um, and it's the first time we've actually looked at doing a book for patients as opposed to the scientific community. Sure. And and just so people know, when you look you go on to the on to ISP's website. The books really range in price from as low as $10 up to around $100, which Correct. for for a book having to do with the medical field, that is very very good. Yes. 
Yeah, our Pharmacology of Pain, which is the most expensive yeah. book we have, um, if it was published by a different publisher, it would probably be $250, $300. Oh, easily, easily. And, it, and, you know, if you're out there and you're a physical therapist or medical professional and you went to college and you had to pay for your books... <laughs> you know how expensive these books are. So this is a really great resource for people um, because it's not that expensive and you're getting a great product. Um, okay, so aside from the Journal on Pain, IASP Press, and you said you had one more? Yeah, we have uh, what's called Pain Clinical Updates. Mm-hmm. And these are short newsletters, and they are, they are for the clini- clinician. Okay. Um, and they're free. Um, you can get them on our website. Um, I actually given to my general practitioner because um, he's not a member uh-huh. uh, but they have really useful information um, looking at different topics of pain, labor pain um, some of the ethics behind treatment of pain mm-hmm. and so they're really geared uh, for the clinician we publish between 6 and 8 of those a year Okay. Um, and they're, they're popular, uh, we also tra- have those translated into Spanish um, and those are available on our website also, and people can download those. Great. And those, again, those are free. So, you know, there's if, if you want to, if you're unsure if you want to join IASP, you can at least go on and get some of those publications, and it might, you know, give you maybe more, a little more background onto what they do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, Kathy, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to talk more about some of the initiatives that you guys have going on over at IASP, like the Global Year Against Pain, and if we have time in the next section, maybe we'll talk about the International Pain Summit as well. So everyone stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Join the Metaphysical Center of New Jersey and the Association for Higher Awareness for exciting events this fall, live, just minutes from New York City in Pompton Plains, New Jersey. Greg Braden will discuss his latest book, Deep Truth, Living on the Edge. Are you ready for 12 12 Save the dates. Greg Braden, November 9th and 10th. Visit metaphysicalcenterofnewjersey.org or ahanj.net. Are you concerned about the future of your business or career? Would you like it all to just be better? Well, the way to do that is through better communication. And the best way to do that is training from the team at Improving Communications. This is Larry Sharp, host of the Ivory Tower Radio Program and director at Improving Communications. Does your office need better leadership, customer service, sales, or maybe better writing or speaking skills? Could they be better at dealing with confrontation, conflicts, and touchy subjects? All are covered here at Improving Communications. If you're in the New York City area, stop by one of our public classes or get your human resources in touch with us. The website is improvingcommunications.com. That's improvingcommunications.com. Improve your professional environment. Be more effective. Be happier and make more money. Improving Communications. That's the answer. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Talking Alternative. 
Welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and I'm joined today by the Executive Director of the International Association for the Study of Pain, Kathy Kreider. So, uh, Kathy, we took, uh, before the commercial break, um, we said that we kind of wanted to get into some more of the initiatives that IASP uh, does throughout the year, and one of them is the Global Year Against Pain. So can you talk a little bit more about that for us? Sure. This is one of the advocacy movements that we started. Um, it started back in 2005 um, with um, going to WHO and talking about um, treating pain as a, as a disease in its own right, um, which means you know give recognition to the fact that you have to do something to treat people's pain. And so the first global year was a cooperative venture between us and the Federation of our European chapters um, and also the Australian Pain Society in conjunction with WHO, um, really looking at calling attention to the fact that you have to address pain. And we started after that to do a global day. So we had a global day against pain in older persons, a global day against pain in children. Mm -hmm. And what we found is, you know, Part of being in an international association is that everybody does things a little bit differently around the world, and what worked as a day in the U.S. Is, does not work in other parts of the world as a day. So what we did instead was we, with a year-round, excuse me, I just had interference. Are you still there? Oh yeah, no, okay. you're good. Um, a year-round global year advocacy event. And so with that, what we do now is um, we pick a theme. Mm-hmm. And we give our chapters around the world advance on the theme, and then we have a task force that creates different fact sheets, which again are geared toward the professional, but if people went to our website and looked at them, uh, depending on the topic, you may find something of interest to yourself. Mm-hmm. And this year, the theme is the Global Year Against Visceral Pain. Um, we have a number of fact sheets on the, um, that topic. We do translations of those fact sheets um, in French, in Arabic, in Chinese, and in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And then our chapters also volunteer and do translations, which we will then post on our website. So for past year's efforts, we had Global Year Against Headache was the one that just wound up a few weeks ago. Okay. Um, on that one, you'll find that there are some Serbian translations, Portuguese, um, so as the chapters translate, they'll send them to us, and then we'll also get those available. What happens around the world is the different chapters do different events. Um, some of the more active chapters, we had, um, we actually had flash dance um, done, or, you know, in Portugal at a mall uh-huh. to bring attention to Global Year Against Muscular Skeletal Pain. Um, we've had marathons run in the Philippines. Um, to bring attention to the global year. Um, so it's very interesting to see how the different countries will do different events. In Pakistan, they'll go out and do rural um, clinics, um, go out to the community um, and have patients come in who are you know, suffering from whatever pain is on the global year theme, mm-hmm. and doctors and nurses will go in and do some treatments for them. Um, so it's, a, it's an exciting event, and every year it builds more and more uh, for the Global Year Against Headache, the International Headache Society and IASP um, collaborated together and had a, a session for young people in the field 
um, people who are postdocs who are just starting to get into research or mm -hmm. clinical practice, and they spend three intensive days learning about headache and headache treatment, um, and also getting that benefit of networking. Um, so they've made lifelong friendships. They were an international group. Um, so it has the extra benefit of providing um, a networking ability for people who are going to be working in the pain field in the future. Sure. And now this year, like you said, it's uh, the global year against visceral pain. Mm -hmm. So why visceral pain and who makes the choice as to what it's going to be year to year? The IASP Council, which is board, um, they're the ones who make the decision. Okay. Um, and visceral pain is one of those probably misunderstood pains, mm -hmm. um, and that was one of the reasons that we focused on it. Um, everybody's probably had some experience with it, um, and there's a lot of research to be done on, on it still, um, and what we're hoping is through the global year, again, to bring some awareness mm -hmm. to it uh, and to let people know about some of the research that's being done and some of the treatments that are available for people who have visceral pain. Right, so just sort of raising the conversation a little bit. Mm -hmm. Great. Now, aside from the Global Year Against Pain, I know that you guys have a lot of other stuff going on, a lot of other initiatives. So, you know, let's, let's talk about some of those other things, such as the International Pain Summit. So one of the things that um, we've had difficulty with because we are so international mm -hmm. is how do you do advocacy? Mm -hmm. um, because each country, their healthcare system is set up differently, their uh, medication systems are set up very differently. And some of the members um, thought what we needed to do is take advantage of this worldwide gathering of pain experts that we have at the World Congress on Pain and hold an advocacy event. Um, so a steering committee developed the concept of having an international pain summit, which was a one-day meeting after the World Congress in Pain that we had in 2010 in Montreal. Mm -hmm. And what the groups did going into that was they developed what we call the Declaration of Montreal, and it was calling on countries around the world to recognize pain um, and pain treatment as a, a necessary item for any type of health care system. Mm -hmm. And again, because what you realize is every country is a little bit different um, in terms of how much pain education they give doctors. There was a study in Canada that showed that veterinarians get more training in pain management than uh, a regular medical doctor. What? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I love my cat and everything, but you know. Right. You would right. think that, that a, a, an MD would get more, maybe even more training. No, they don't. Um, and so one of the, the issues is <clears throat> how do you get that training in place? Mm -hmm. um, how do you get medications available to people? In a lot of countries, morphine is illegal. Um, how do you get the ministers of health in those countries to realize that you that is one of the most effective treatments of acute pain, mm -hmm. and how do you get them to change their health policies? Right, and I would also think it's how do you get, I'm sure there's a lot of cultural and sort of cultural thoughts around pain Correct. as you go from country to country. So, you know, how do you sort of open up the minds of some of those people to take in that information? Right, and it's okay if people have pain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So 
what the International Pain Summit really aimed to do was bring this international group together, develop the Declaration of Montreal, which is, you know, for those who have worked in advocacy, it's your declaration saying, here are the principles that we think everybody in the world should have uh, regarding pain, um, which means, you know, pain management, education for clinicians, mm-hmm. um, research into helping the cause of pain um, and treatment of pain, and also the availability of medications. And then in with that, we also, the group also developed the national uh, characteristics of a pain strategy, because there are some countries in the world that have very comprehensive pain strategies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Por- Portugal has had one, Belgium has had one, um, Australia has one. So what do they have that, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a developing country, if you're a developed country, what are those key things that you need to have in a pain, in a pain strategy, mm-hmm. you know, for an advocacy standpoint. And so the group developed all of those so that all the chapters in any countries in the world could use those to develop a pain strategy and go forward to working with their government um, and their ministers of health and WHO to make sure that they can actually implement something at that at their level. Right, and be effective. And be effective, right. And now don't you find it amazing that it, this only happened in 2010? Yes. <laughs> amazing. Yes. It's amazing. You would think that this would have been in place... Uh, well, I, and I know that, you know, the world of pain and how we look at pain and view pain has certainly changed within the last 10 years with, you know, an abundance of research and a lot of it coming right out of Journal of Pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I mean, I guess, you know, better late than never, right? Right. And I think also um, in some areas of the world, people, the healthcare systems were still trying to keep people alive. Mm, that's true. Um, and yeah. as they're developing more sophisticated healthcare systems, this is the best time because they can learn from everything that, you know, if you take the developed countries, um, what they've gone through and what they've learned and how they've recognized that mm-hmm. they haven't been treating pain well, and the developing countries who are getting much more sophisticated in their healthcare systems can use those learnings to skip what we had to go through here. Exactly. Um, so so they can kind of, they're going off, off of a clean slate, whereas they don't have to make the, I don't want to say mistakes, but let's say decisions that maybe didn't work. Correct, correct. So they can kind of go forward with, take the best of what did work and, right. and kind of take it from there. Mm-hmm. Great. Now, Kathy, I'm sorry, we have to take another quick break. Um, okay. When we come back, I want to talk more about your advocacy programs. And we sort of talked a little bit about developing countries, but maybe we can talk a little bit more about what you guys are doing in those developing countries as well. So everyone stay tuned, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hi, I'm Dana. And I'm Don. We We are are Certified certified mediators. Mediators. And I am a family and couples licensed therapist and author of Please Don't Buy Me Ice Cream. Our show, New Beginnings, is about helping you and your family recover financially and emotionally and start the beginning of your life. We'll answer your questions on divorce, family court, co-parenting, personal development, new relationships, blending families, and more. Dana and I will bring you to a place of empowerment and belief that even though marriages may end, 
Families are forever. Join us every Monday starting September 10th at 10 a.m. on TalkingAlternative.com. Are you suffering from aches and pains? Has traditional medicine let you down? Are you tired of taking toxic medications? Then come to the Double Diamond Wellness Center and learn how our natural methods can help you to heal. Call us now at 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. Or find us on the web at www.doublediamondwellness.com. We look forward to serving you. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and I'm joined today by Kathy Kreider. She is the Executive Director of the International Association for the Study of Pain. And uh, we last segment, we were sort of talking about a lot of their advocacy programs, and we're going to kind of keep going in that vein for a little bit here. Um, so, Kathy, now I know we, we dabbled a little bit into it in the last segment, but I know that IASP uh, is focusing on initiatives with developing countries. So can you talk a little bit more to that? Sure. We have a number of programs that we've developed over the last seven years with, um, aimed at improving pain education, uh, pain management education in developing countries. Um, so the biggest one we have is a grant program where our members can apply for grants up to $10,000 mm-hmm. um, to provide educational programs in their countries. And so we've had, um, in Kenya, they did very intensive uh, training for uh, women in labor, how to help with uh, pain and labor. Um, in other countries, they've done training where you know they go out to the rural communities and provide pain management education to nurses um, again, because in some countries, nurses, um, they, can, they can prescribe, mm-hmm. um, and others they can't, but they're going to see the patients more on a day-to-day basis than sure. a doctor would. Sure. Um, so these programs are all grassroots, so it's going to be what is going to work in that country. Um, we don't tell them how to run the programs. They come to us and say, this is what we think is going to work mm-hmm. in our country, and then their commitment to us is to document the program that they've developed um, give us um, outcomes, and we'll track the outcomes over a number of years to see if what they've developed is actually going to make an impact in the local community. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of the biggest um, grant sources that we have. We've also been funding a program, uh, Kybelli, which is run um, 
from a woman who's actually at the University of North Carolina, and that's based on maternal um, health. And, of course, one of the strong things there, again, is labor pain. Right. Um, so what we do is we help fund the program um, so that they can focus some of their efforts on pain um, during uh, childbirth, mm-hmm. um, even though the Kybelish program is a little bit more comprehensive than that. We also have started what we call, um, well, it's a little bit different in each country, um, but in Southeast Asia it's called the Pain Management Camp. Mm-hmm. And we did this last, um, actually two years ago now, for the first time ever. And what we had was young students coming from around Southeast Asia who spent three days before an Asian pain society meeting um, doing very comprehensive training um, with um, some of our experts from around the world. Um, and so they're going to repeat that again in 2013. The first one was in 2011. Um, and that was in Thailand. Mm-hmm. The next one is going to be in 2013 in Singapore because it's in re- it's run right before our Asian um, regional meeting, um, and that has continued to be a success. The group of students who met in Thailand, um, we had a wonderful success story. One um, won an award for a best abstract, and he was also then. Um, included at the World Congress of Pain that we just had in Milan mm-hmm. as a speaker in a workshop. Um, so it's, it's, it's very you know, invigorating and satisfying to see somebody who probably wouldn't have had a chance to participate in anything like this in the past be able to go from participating in the pain management program in Thailand mm-hmm. to actually speaking at a congress um, in Milan where 8,000 people were there. Um, We've also started a, a more comprehensive fellowship program. We have one going in Thailand um, for participants from Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. We have one going in Colombia for participants from Latin America. And this year we just started one in South Africa for people from Africa. And this is where it's only one or two people who spend a year in a hospital um, with very um, in-depth training on pain management. Uh, most of the people who apply are anesthesiologists. Yeah, that was my next question. Are they mostly doctors? Yeah, so yeah. these are these are aimed at clinicians mm-hmm. um, in Thailand and in um, South Africa. It's co-founded by the World Federation of Anesthesiologists um, in Colombia. We're the sole funders there. Okay. Um, but it's it's mainly aimed at anesthesiologists and those who are going to be doing long-term uh, treatment. Mm-hmm. And. Um, you know, you sort of, again, kind of touched on this just a, a moment ago, but uh, the World Congress on Pain. So the last one was in Milan, mm-hmm. and that was just this past year. That was the 14th World Congress on Pain. So what is this Congress, uh, what do they do? Uh, again, easy to kind of figure out why it started, uh, and that's just to get this information out to more people. Um, but let's talk a little bit more uh, about the World Congress on Pain, and when is the next one? So the World Congress on Pain has been going on since ISP started. It used to run every three years, um, and the reason there was a gap is because they wanted to make sure that before people traveled um, to attend a meeting that there would always be the latest in scientific mm-hmm. uh, knowledge to share. 
um, in 2006, the decision was to go to an every two-year Congress because the world was changing so fast and sure. research has grown exponentially over the years. Um, so the, we just finished the meeting in Milan. We had almost 8,000 people, which That's was a lot the of people. delegation ever. Yeah. Uh, um, the next one is in Buenos Aires. That will be in October of 2014. After that, we go to Yokohama in 2016, and then somewhere back in the U.S. in 2018. Oh, okay. And where is Yokohama? In Japan. In Japan. Okay. Okay. And so the the main purpose of the Congress, again, is educational. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll have a series of plenary lectures and a series of topical workshops. Uh, the plenary lectures are going to be, you know, one person speaking for 20, 25 minutes okay. about the topic of which they're an expert, and those are usually, you know, three, 4,000 people are in the room for that. Okay. The topical workshops are going to be a, a panel session, and what we try and do um, for the majority of them, sometimes it's hard if they're purely really basic science, um, is to have from the beginning basic science all the way into the translational so that anybody who attends can hear some aspect of that topic that's going to apply to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have about 300 of those. Preceding the Congress, we have a day of refresher courses. So this is for people who want to refresh their knowledge or for people new in the field who want to learn the basic fundamentals of pain management, uh, the science behind pain. And so that's what the Congress does. Um, we really try and attack, uh, attract trainees to attend, so mm-hmm. we offer financial aid for trainees from around the world to attend. Uh, we had almost 400 trainees um, in Milan who were sponsored by IASP. And we also had an event this year where we paired, it was almost like a speed dating, okay. where we had a special room set up, um, and you know, it was invitation only in the first 70 people who applied could attend, mm-hmm. and we have the world experts on pain, so all the people that they've been studying, you know, reading their journal articles sure. or all that in the room, and they speed dated. They went from one table to another to talk to as many experts as they can um, for 10 minutes each, and then they had to move to the next. Um, and it, it was an experiment, and you know, from what we've heard from the trainees, they absolutely loved it. It was successful. Yeah, it was a big success. So, you know, we'll learn from some of it, we'll make some changes, but that will probably be part of the Congress in the future. Um, so we really focus um, on the ability for trainees, once they're there, to network um, and to meet the people that they're going to be working with professionally. And sure, that's huge. Good mentors, right? Yeah. And, and, it, uh, just another thing on the World Conference of Pain and the Milan World Conference of Pain, when you go to the IASP website, which is www.iasp-pain.org, um, you, if you go to hit on World Congress on Pain, you'll see the Milan 2014th World Congress on Pain comes up, and you can actually buy some of the recordings from the World Con- Congress on Pain. Correct. Yeah, we um, we offer those um, for those who attended the Congress. They have them for free. For our members, they can purchase them at a discount. And then for the general public, um, they can purchase um, the recording. So they'll see the PowerPoint presentation and then hear the audio presentation. Oh, from from that day? 
from that day. Right. Yeah, that's awesome because I can't tell you how many times I go to a course and you know, you're taking notes and, and you've got sort of the PowerPoint presentation, but I always find that such juicy bits mm-hmm. comes from just the discussion and comes from the speakers during the course. Right, and if you don't write it down correctly and you can't remember what your notes really meant yeah. when you got home. Oh, forget it, yeah. Right. Like two, I guess it was two or three weeks ago, I was out in Portland to hear Paul Hodges and Lorimer Mosley speak mm-hmm. for a full weekend, and I know Lorimer is involved with with IASP. Correct. Um, and, you know, I sat down, and the woman next to me pulls out her recorder, and I was like, oh. If only I had remembered to bring my voice recorder, you know, because I felt like there was so much said and, and even doesn't matter if you're the best note taker in the world. And, I, you know, I think I'm pretty good. Y- you definitely like you, you say to yourself, definitely, I'm going to definitely remember this. And then two weeks later, you don't. Right. right. And that's one of the reasons we started offering the Congress recordings after the Montreal Congress. And one of the reasons is exactly what you're saying. People come back. The day we get back from the Congress, we get we would get emails from people saying, can I get this presentation? Mm-hmm. I can't read my notes. Or uh-huh. I can't remember what they said. Um, so we decided we would offer it to the people who attended. Um, and for those who, because of circumstances, can att- can't attend, this gives them an, an opportunity to find out what happened at the Congress. Yeah, and I think it's great. And I plan on going through this. Uh, a little bit later and perhaps purchasing some of those lectures because, I mean, what a great service to offer people. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. No, it's great. I wish I wish everybody did that. Um, on that note, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, um, I'd like to talk a little bit more about your grants, your fellowships, and, and uh, we'll sort of wrap things up a little bit. So everyone stay tuned and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in your business or career? Trying to take your business to the next level and it keeps hitting a wall? This is Sam Leibowitz, the Conscious Consultant. I will help you get to the root cause of your abundance issues and help move you forward in your life. Call me now and let's create the future you dream of. 212-721-8183 That's 212-721-8183 The Conscious Consultant Helping conscious people be better business people. Have you ever considered consulting a roadmap when you feel you need help getting to your destination? When the normal path seems blocked, a little help can come in handy when choosing an alternate route. Your natal chart is a map of your potentials. It addresses relationships, finance, business, health, and above all, creativity. Current planetary cycles can either support or challenge your objectives. I'm Montgomery Taylor. If you would like to explore the help of a private astrological reading, please contact me at monty at montytaylor.com. That's monty, M-O-N-T-Y, at montytaylor.com. 
Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I'm your host, Karen Litzy, and I'm joined today by Kathy Kreider. She is the Executive Director of the International Association for the Study of Pain. Uh, and, and again, just so everyone knows, uh, we're kind of going with a new format as of last week. So before we used to have four commercial breaks, five uh, shorter segments. Now we have three commercial breaks and sort of four longer segments. So this is sort of our last segment. And I know the time goes by so quickly when you're doing these shows. Um, But that is sort of our new format from here on out. And I think that it works a lot better, Um, kind of easier to have a better flow of conversation. Okay, so get that out of the way. So Kathy, uh, last segment, I sort of spoke about a lot more of your advocacy programs in the World Conference on Pain. And so I know you spoke briefly to this uh, earlier in the show, but I know that IASP gives out grants and fellowships. So a uh, couple of questions. Number one, do you have to be a member? And what is the process like? to, you know, to, uh, to get one of those grants or fellowships. Okay. So, yes, you have to be a member okay. um, to receive any of our grants or fellowships, um, except for the one that I just talked about in the developing countries, mm-hmm. the fellowships there, um, because that's part of if you receive the fellowship, you become a member, um, because we know that, you know, for the one in Thailand, the one in Latin America, the one in Africa that um, sometimes people won't be members because um, they haven't heard of IASP before. Right. Um, so for those, you become you part of winning that fellowship is also winning a year's um, IASP membership. Okay. For our regular grants, though, um, you do have to be a member. Probably the most popular one we have and the one that where we get the largest number of applications is our early career research grant. Mm-hmm. And these are very small in terms of research. Um, grants. They're $20,000, and they're for that person who has finished their Ph.D., doesn't have the experience or the background yet to get one of the big, you know, if you're in the U.S., um, an NIH grant, um, and they just need a small grant to get started to show that they are capable of doing their work independently. Mm -hmm. So that's a $20,000 grant. It's very competitive. Um, and, again, it's international. You don't have to be from the U.S., um, but it's for those people who are just starting on their early career. We also have uh, collaborative research grants where people in two different countries may be working collaboratively on their research, and what we're providing is the funding for them to travel um, between the two countries so that they can meet about their research, because mm-hmm. um, sometimes their grants won't pay for that travel. The grants will only pay for the research itself, mm-hmm. um, or it will pay for travel, but it has a lot of restrictions. So this is actually to give um, give them the opportunity to do the amount of travel they really need in order to do their research correctly. Okay. 
We partner with the Scan Design Foundation, which is a Seattle-based foundation, um, and they provide funding to assist us with the collaborative grant and also with our fellowships. Um, so we have an international fellowship program um, and then the John Bonica Fellowship Program. The international fellowship program is one year $50,000 to provide a stipend for someone to get their Ph.D. in another institution, or, you know, to do postdoc study, uh -huh. whatever it is they need. The um, Bonica Fellowship is a two-year fellowship program, $50,000 a year, um, to provide stipend for the same purpose. Um, we also have a research symposium. This is something that we used to do every two years, but the demand was pretty high, so uh -huh. now we're starting to do it every year. And this is where it's designed where a small group of people, you know, 100 to 200, spend a day in a very um, targeted subject area uh, of research. Um, and there was just, we just funded one on the genetics of pain. It was mm -hmm. down in Florida. Interesting. Had 200 people there, um, very focused, um, in-depth, collaborative, you know, people get to talk to each other, not a bunch of lectures, right, right, uh, right. symposium. And also as part of that, the people who hold it also will write a book, um, which isn't just a repetition of what happened at the symposium, but is a, little, a lot more in-depth mm -hmm. about that specific topic. And that usually comes out about a year after the symposium, because they'll incorporate findings from the symposium into the book. Mm -hmm. um, so that's pretty much the overview of um, the, the largest ones that we have. Um, we do a series of awards at the Congress um, to recognize um, you know, outstanding uh, people in basic science, outstanding people in clinical research, um, outstanding young people. Um, and those are more on the lines of an award rather than a competitive grant process. Right, right. And, you know, like, like we've been saying, IASP is a membership-driven organization. So let's talk about the membership process. What does one have to do to become a member? Pretty easy. You can go online uh -huh. um, to our website, and you can apply online. Um, the dues are based on uh, income, mm -hmm. so if or if you're a trainee or if you're retired. So if you're a trainee, uh, the dues are forty dollars uh, a year. A year. A year. Right. So which is very reasonable. Yes, I'd say uh, so. <laughs> right. Even on the income base, the range is forty to two hundred. Again, very reasonable. Very. Um, and then re for retirees, it's also the forty dollars. Um, um, because what we really, you know, the main goal of the association is to get people to share their knowledge and to provide education um, to the world um, on pain relief. And because of that, we don't want to have any barriers mm -hmm. uh, for people to join the association. We will check on a trainee to make sure that the trainee really is a trainee. Mm -hmm. um, so that is part of the process. If you're, if somebody is a professional, um, you know we need to know their specialty, whether or not they're an anesthesiologist or uh, oncologist or you know whatever their field is. Mm -hmm. um, we do allow lay people who have professional affiliations. Um, so if you know somebody is the executive director of the American Pain Society, that person can join 
because even though they're not a medical member, mm-hmm. um, they obviously are going to be working with us sure, sure. Uh, in a professional capacity. Uh, we do not allow patients um, to join um, because it's definitely a professional society. Right, right. Yeah, and, and incredibly reasonable. So I think if anyone out there, and the best part is, is you get the journal on pain right. delivered so you get, to your home. Yes, you will get the, the journal delivered to your home. Um, if, you're, if you're a trainee, you don't. Um, you have online access um, for the $40, um, or you could pay more and uh-huh. then get the journal delivered. Um, it's an expensive journal to produce, so... Sure, yeah, and, and, you know, to have the journal delivered to your house, it's a lot easier than going to PubMed. Correct. And trying to look everything up, you still have to pay for the articles, so this way you get all of the, uh, the journal on pain, plus, you know, all of the other opportunities like, you, like we had just outlined, the fellowships, the grants, you know, going to meetings, and, and I think for me, I know, like, I'm part of the American Physical Therapy Association, and the dues are much, much more than this. Um, But, you know, I think one of the big things, and and you've said this a couple of times, is being able to network with other people within the organization. Yes, we do a membership survey every two years, and the two biggest benefits that our members um, state that, you know, the reasons that they joined IASP, number one is, well, actually three, so number one is the journal. Mm Number two is the World Congress campaign, and number three is the ability to network with everybody. Um, and that's, you know, one of the key things that we're always going to work on. In the future, we're looking at um, providing much more educational opportunity where people can also get their CME credit, uh, continuing oh, that's medical great. education yeah. units. Um, and that's, you know, that's one area where our members have asked, Yes, you provide all of this. Can you also provide the continuing medical education credits, too? So we're going to be doing that. And if you, we do it now for the World Congress campaign. We'll be doing it for all of our educational programs in the future. That's great, and that's a big, big, big benefit for, for everyone. As a physical therapist, I think we need, at least in New York State, we need 36 every three years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and a lot of times you're maybe more likely to go to a course where you can actually get credit for that. Right. You know? Or to provide online education. Or online education is huge, yes. Yes, I agree. Okay, well, uh, believe it or not, we have literally run out of time. Um, But I want to thank you for coming on and giving a wonderful overview of the uh, International Association for the Study of Pain. So thank you so much, Kathy, for coming on. Oh, thank you for the opportunity. I enjoyed it. Great. And again, if anyone wants to learn more on IASP, their website is www.iasp-pain.org. So please go on, look through. If you're a medical professional, like Kathy said, the, the dues are, are very minimal. Um, and I think it's for the amount you're paying, you're getting a great product. Well, thank you. So you're welcome. And everyone, thank you for tuning in. And I will see you right here next week at 1 o'clock on TalkingAlternative.com. So everyone, have a great week and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. You are listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hi.
Hi, I'm Dana. And I'm Don. We We are are Certified certified mediators. Mediators. And I am a family and couples licensed therapist and author of Please Don't Buy Me Ice Cream. Our show, New Beginnings, is about helping you and your family recover financially and emotionally and start the beginning of your life. We'll answer your questions on divorce, family court, co-parenting, personal development, new relationships, blending families, and more. Dana and I will bring you to a place of empowerment and belief that even though marriages may end, families are forever. Join us every Monday starting September 10th at 10 a.m. on TalkingAlternative.com. Are you suffering from aches and pains? Has traditional medicine let you down? Are you tired of taking toxic medications? Then come to the Double Diamond Wellness Center and learn how our natural methods can help you to heal. Call us now at 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. Or find us on the web at www.doublediamondwellness.com. We look forward to serving you. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. This is Tony Martinetti, the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Technology, fundraising, compliance, social media. Small and medium nonprofits have needs in all these areas. My guests are expert in all these areas and more. Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern, on Talking Alternative Broadcasting. Are you fed up with talking points rhetoric? Everywhere you turn, it's left or right spin, ideology, no reality. In fact, it's ideology over intellect. No more. It's time for the truth. Join me, Larry Sharp, a.k.a. The Neo Sage, Tuesday nights, 9 to 11 Eastern, for the Ivory Tower radio program. In the Ivory Tower, we'll discuss what's important to you, society, politics, business, and family. It's provocative talk for the realist and the skeptic who want to know what's really going on, what does it mean, and what can be done about it. So gain special access to the Ivory Tower and listen to me, Larry Sharp, your Neo Sage, Tuesday nights, 9 to 11, New York time. Go to ivorytowerradio.com for details. That's ivorytowerradio.com. The Ivory Tower is a great place to visit for both entertainment and education. Listen in Tuesday nights, 9 to 11. It will make you smarter. Talkingalternative.com. 